Welcome to Broadband Action, the podcast brought to you by the Community Broadband Action Network. Your hosts are co-founders of CBAN, yours truly, Curtis Dean. Todd Kilkow. And John Ann Willow. Um, so just the past uh, month or so, a lot's going on in the broadband area. John Ann, I know you've been uh, uh, angsting a little bit over the, um, shall we say, the, the, the lumpiness of states' abilities to hopefully implement the BEAD program, the Broadband Infrastructure Program later this year. What, what are you seeing there? Well, um, I live in the state of Michigan and in Michigan, we have a paper broadband office. And a it's paper a, broadband office. A paper broadband office. That means that mm -hmm. on paper, the, the, the legislature has, has created the governor's office, you know, mandated the broadband office and the, and the legislature said, yes, a broadband office, but it doesn't have a it doesn't have a, a door it doesn't have any people it doesn't have anything and it mm -hmm. keeps getting kicked down the road in special budget sessions and legislature sessions and the um ranking member the ranking minority member republican member of the um communications and technology committee john demoose uh recently told myself and the michigan center the northern michigan center for change that um, we did have a broadband office. So we were very lucky that we had, we, this was stood up in 2019. And uh, so it really, so, so when we were told that we started doing some, some more digging and I have been looking into just what having a broadband office means across different states, because it means lots of different things. And the sure. long and short of it though, is some of each state's funds will not be able to be distributed until and unless they have an administrative body inside the, their state legislature or inside the state that can administer these bead funds. So right now, where we are is um, about a quarter of the states still don't have broadband offices, even though they've known for two years. And I'm just going to tell you who they are. That'll Why not call them out a little bit? I'm going to call them out. Because hey, people watching this webcast in their uh, those states then have the opportunity. They may not be aware that their state. That's right. That's right. And it's important. So if I name your state, you might want to contact your, uh, your, your legislator and find out why you don't have a broadband office yet. So if you are in Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Delaware, Hawaii, Idaho, Iowa, Michigan, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, or Wyoming, you don't have a broadband office. You might now, have a paper office, but you don't have anything staffed, active, and ready to do any work. Just to push back against that a little bit, I know the list you're referring to. Iowa does have a broadband office. They just don't call it a broadband office. They have the Office of of uh, CIO, Chief Information Officer. Thank you, Chief Information Officer. And are they running the broadband because yeah. the Pew Research Institute thinks they're not? So that, uh, they are. I think it's totally possible. I think the difference is, is it was an office that wasn't necessarily set up by the legislative body. It was mm -hmm. assigned to an existing uh, executive branch body, the OCIO office. Um, 
but um, so, I mean, but that's, that's, that's probably part of the confusion here is defining what the office is. That's I'm sure something that's going to have to be worked through. And as they develop the rules for that, they'll have to figure that out. Right. Because in Michigan, the office technically exists too. And it's in um, Leo, which is labor and economic opportunity. Right. It's right there. And it, and, and they are, it is there and they have been able to push some funds out into, you know, out into the state, but they can't, they can't implement the whole program until it's a, 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 until it's staffed and until it's programmatic. Yep. And so do you know for a fact that, or do you know whether Iowa has that infrastructure in place inside the CIOs? They department? do. They, they do. do. Okay. They've been administering up now seven rounds of funding for broadband infrastructure. That is true. I didn't know that. Putting ARPA money so, that just went out the door here. But, but I think that, 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 again, brings up the the definition of what is the definition of a broadband office? What is the definition of a functional broadband? And, that, and that's where I actually had trouble getting clear, clear information, yeah. because like you said, people are, states are like, it's, it's, it's a very states rights kind of states directive sort of thing. And yeah. everybody is doing it differently. So the mandate from the Fed is that you have to have the state administer it. The, the, the guidance is to have a broadband office. I suppose it's not mandated that it be a broadband office, but I think it's even troubling perceptually that it appears that a quarter to a third of states don't yet have one because, and, and that we can't, that we can't get clear information about who does. So if I read your state and you're not sure, find out. Reach out. Yeah. Reach out because if you don't have a state broadband office, there's money that will be left on the table until that's done. Yeah. And it, it really brings up, you know, we've talked the, 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 the term digital divide, which is probably overused, but it's designed to show, you know, there's some areas that have things and there's some areas that don't have things when it comes to digital inclusion and digital equity. This also illustrates how um, because these funds, the BEAD funds are going to be administered at the state level, how well each state does could show a divide between states that are doing it really well mm -hmm. and getting it getting better broadband to more people and other states that maybe are not doing very well or what i worry about states that are more in the pocket of the large providers than others who are just going to um uh, administer the funds in such a way that it doesn't make the big guys unhappy Wisconsin's in danger of that right now. Actually, they have a they have a really well established broadband office that's been around for years, and they do they do do good work. Yeah. But um, I know from my time in the Wisconsin legislature that that office was was has was has been over time, or at least at intervals. I haven't been in the legislature for a little bit, but AT and T, which um, had it's is a yeah. Ameritech was a used to be a big phone company. They were actually based in Milwaukee. When they got purchased by AT&T, that made AT&T a strong player, like a power player in that region, because they also had that former local corporate connection. Sure. So AT&T, in, in like 29, 2010, that when they, they, they came forward and really took control of everything they could. And so... Every, yeah. Every state has dominant providers mm -hmm. like that that can overpower other yeah. providers because they have such a huge presence in deep pockets. Yep. The, impor the important thing about the coordinator position is that they start getting recognized within the government, the state government as a department head level or cabinet level position, trying to coordinate, making that 
things happen between agencies. Yeah. Or just like, you know, we when we looked at Iowa legislation, it was the OCIO was going to get charged with trying to coordinate duct mapping with IDOT, the transportation. And it's like, that's not their role. Right. Their role is on the computer systems of the, the, the state government, you know, and they didn't want that role. So that's where I think the important part about establishing the offices is to raise it from being nobody's problem to being a coordinating role of information. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing a lot in Michigan is that is it just keeps getting kicked down the road. We've seen, I mean, I've been, I don't, I've been involved or at least party to some pretty amusing, I'll say email threads where you know, we, we get, we, we, it's this breadcrumb trail to nowhere. We'll talk to this person, talk to this person, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we keep going and everybody's like, everything's fine. Or, or, or that's not me or you're right. We see that in the municipal level all the time when we go into communities. Um, yeah. Broadband is not anyone's job yeah. and broad, better broadband is, you know, nobody knows where to go. So it's, it's no surprise that it's happening at the state level either. Yeah. yeah, not a surprise at all. It's got it's a problem that's got to be fixed, and the clock is ticking. Um, depending on who you talk to or what you hear, we had just had an article in Broadband Bites about this. Those rules are being written right now um, on how that money can be deployed and how it can be spent. And then when those rules are written, then the states that are ready to accept those rules and accept those funds will be able to move out and start incentivizing networks and digital inclusion states that aren't ready are going to be falling behind in that. So uh, right. hopefully, I, I know a lot of states have their legislative session during this, like kind of the spring months, especially more rural states. Hopefully they're all back tackling this um, this year, this legislative session, and not just uh, seeking to make it into a political football to gain points with. Well, that's a really good point. And actually we, we can wrap up, but but this is a time when it is important. This is actually a perfect time of year to, to, to check and see what, what is going on with your state's broadband office because it is budget appropriation time and, and people are doing, you know, that's the, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Um, around mid-June mid would be a not time because- Yeah, the, then it's gonna be uh, a scramble. And it ends two weeks after that. Part of so, the challenge for these offices too is gonna be staffing up, is finding people who know what they're doing to staff those offices, as opposed to saying, um, we're going to take employees from the Department of Education or we're going to take employees from here. They need people that understand broadband, that understand the process, that can speak the provider's language. And those people might already be employed somewhere else. So it's going to be a real challenge, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment with more of Broadband Action. Today, my guests are the Vice President of Broadband Planning for Connected Nation Michigan, Eric Frederick, and the Executive Director for the Center for Change Northern Michigan, Joanne Galloway. There's been a lot of conversation about the establishment of state broadband offices that are needed to facilitate the distribution of federal funds, and it hasn't gone as smoothly in every state. Some offices have been up and running for several years already, while other states are scrambling to get something put together. I'd like to ask you, Eric, to start out by giving us just kind of a thousand foot view of how things look nationwide. Yeah, thanks, John Ann. Um, I, I was very fortunate recently to attend the State Broadband Leaders Gathering in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago to meet with uh, state broadband leaders and, and heads of broadband offices from across the country 
to uh, really ask questions of the NTIA about the Infrastructure Act funding, to talk to the FCC and all the other entities that are involved there. And I think there was a, a little bit of a sense of panic um, in the in the voices of some of my colleagues across the country um, in that we know that the funding that's coming from the Infrastructure Act is is tenfold or more of what we saw during the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act days. And state broadband offices really need to build their capacity to handle and administer the funds that are coming. Uh, for the first time, the federal government is not going to be the grantor directly to the grantees. States have a huge role to play at administering these funds. And so states need all the capacity they can get to really be able to uh, administer these grants uh, eff efficiently and transparently. And I think that's gonna be key to making sure that these funds go as far as they can to really solve um, both aspects of the digital divide, both availability um, and the adoption challenges. So I say there's a little bit of panic uh, among state broadband offices as they look to uh, build their own staffs, uh, find uh, contractors and consultants and others that can help them with these different pieces and parts. Um, and it's, I think it's gonna be a challenge and, and we are definitely, um, time is not on our side um, in making sure that those pieces are in place. So I'm hearing you talk a lot about panic <laughs> and, 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 and anxiety. Um, Joanne will be talking to us in just a moment about efforts in Michigan, which obviously you're very, you're very um, familiar with. And not only that, we should, we should clarify that Eric is the vice president of broadband planning for Connected Nation Michigan, but he also works with a number of other states in a similar role. So um, Connected Nation is an organization that, um, is that helps are you guys working with 11 states right now is that what you said uh we work with a, a number of different states so for, for example we do a lot of broadband mapping so we do mapping for the state of minnesota and illinois uh and iowa and we've worked with many other states over the years too um in various forms and capacities as a okay. as a 501c3 our our mission is broadband that's that's all that we do okay um and so yeah it's 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 quite the landscape out there right now well tell me a little bit about why people are panicking um, I think it really is. A, it's a capacity issue. I mean, they see the work that's been done or that the funds that are coming, they know, for example, um, how they've been able to administer their own state-based grants up until now, for example. You know, Tennessee has a very robust program. Minnesota is the um, is the apple of everyone's eye for the, the model of a state broadband grant program. Michigan has its own smaller grant program, and they know what needs to be done to administer that level of funding. But in, in Michigan's example, uh, we're worth expecting anywhere from 1.3 to $1.5 billion to come to the state compared to the 34 million that's been administered so far. And that's just a huge leap in, in the, the capacity needs to administer those funds, review applications, validate builds, um, do all the, the federal compliance and reporting that's required when federal funds are involved. And so I really think finding that, and that's a very niche skill set, especially if you add on the, the need to have knowledge of the broadband industry in light of all the other skills of grant administration and reporting and compliance. So I think trying to find um, knowledgeable staff in a very short order is where that, that anxiety is sitting in on building state capacity. What about in places potentially like Michigan who um, don't even have their broadband offices all the way set up yet? And Joanne, this is where we'll bring you into the conversation as well. Um, we're here today because um, Joanne was ha reached out to C-Band 
to talk about broadband in um, Northeast Michigan in the Upper Peninsula up there. And through the course of this, we discovered that the broadband office wasn't fully set up. We looped Eric in and he's been really, really helpful in um, helping us understand the landscape and and um, and and showing us the way, but what how did what what happened with you? I mean, what happened up in Northeast Michigan? How did why did you even have to do this? Yes, thank you for uh, having me, uh, John Ann, and uh, I'm Joanne Galloway, the executive director for the Center for Change Northern Michigan, and I'm a retired farmer from Michigan's eastern Upper Peninsula, and um, have been looking around to find out what we can do to uh, better serve our rural areas in Michigan, which are spread all over Michigan, um, in between all of our cities, all across the state. Um, but as the, uh, with the Center for Change, as we formed, one of our key issues was connectivity. And one of the big issues that's, you know, kept us from really doing anything is, has been the lack of money. And now that's completely changed. It's raining money for broadband currently. And we signed on to support a project in the Eastern Upper Peninsula last year that's spearheaded by the Eastern Upper Peninsula Intermediate School District. Um, and it's that work that's brought us to realize that, wait, um, what's happening with the Michigan High Speed Internet Office? It was called for in the Michigan Broadband Roadmap in 2018. Um, it was called for again when they updated that plan in 2021. And um, different organizations have said, make sure you sign up for the emails. And I thought, wait a minute. I've never gotten an email from them. And so uh, that led me to reach out to Eric and uh, different sources and has uh, brought me to realize that while our governor then had to take the action through executive order to create the Michigan High Speed Internet Office last summer, our legislature needs to act to uh, approve the budget and the staff to actually operate that office. And so that's where we stand right today is waiting for the legislature, excuse me, legislature to act. Now, Eric, you're working directly with the state, am I correct? That's right. We, we are working with the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, which is housing the office per the executive directive last year. And and what are what what's the status now? We saw an announcement, was it about 10 days ago now? Um, that the that the by the governor and the lieutenant governor that you that Connected Nation Michigan had been retained, um, and the they'd been retained to yeah. So that yeah, what are you doing and what is the status? Because it was my understanding that you've been retained by them for almost two years now. So I right. I wasn't so the, sure what the change was yeah. So the new project that was announced a few days ago uh, by the governor is is actually completely separate from the my high office at, at this time. Um, that project is a is a project to identify the actual location of broadband infrastructure assets in public rights of way across the state. Okay. So as we look to the Infrastructure Act and the funding that's coming, states are responsible for identifying every unserved and underserved location address in their state that doesn't have the, uh, the broadband speeds that are required by the law. And so to do that, the only way that we're actually going to know where the infrastructure is that's capable, capable of delivering those speeds is by finding the actual infrastructure. So over the next six months, um, our crews will be literally driving 65,000 road miles of the state of Michigan to identify fiber, cable, and all of the splice points and vaults and, and holes and things that go along with that infrastructure to find where that infrastructure is at, what it's capable of delivering, and then more importantly, where it stops. 
and so that we can identify all, all of our unserved locations in the state once and for all. That's great. That sounds like a side-by-side -side effort to how, to what a state broadband office would do. Um, what's the status with the state broadband office at, right now, as you understand it in Michigan? And you're right. You're right. That is a, a perfect side-by-side -side, um, activity. And the reason MEDC stepped in to do that is because the office was not set up and established yet. Um, and so the current status of the office, uh, Leo, the Labor and Economic Opportunity uh, Department has uh, submitted a, a request to the state budget office. The state budget office has been working with the legislature um, to secure eight uh, full-time staff for this office and an appropriation of federal funding to, uh, to fund and resource that office. And right now there's, there's rumors of an infrastructure supplemental budget uh, in the legislature. Um, but we are still waiting to see that language uh, get published into an actual appropriations. Uh, we still have not seen that yet. So, Joanne, feel free to chime in here, too. That that to me, that just seems like the same news we've been hearing for a long time in Michigan. You know, we, we keep we keep hearing that it's you know, that, that it comes up in appropriations and then it just gets tabled and it gets set to the side. Like, do you feel like there is a lack of will to put this together? Or do you feel like do you feel like it's otherwise for some reason not a priority? Why do you think it's going so slow? Yes. So as I've surveyed the situation in terms of analyzing why our legislature here in Michigan hasn't yet acted to approve the budget and the staff that we need for our Michigan High Speed Internet Office, um, it's it's been interesting. I think that there's there's so many moving pieces happening right now that it's really hard for these humans who are legislators um, to sometimes grasp everything that's going on and everything that needs to happen and to, uh, you know, really understand and come up to speed on the different issues. You know, I've, I've talked with legislators in the last few weeks. Some have just had no idea anything about the Michigan High Speed Internet Office, um, you know, don't have a great grasp on all the details of the, um, infrastructure law and, um, you know, because there's just, there's so much, um, which, I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? So much money coming that it's a lot to grasp how we're going to manage all of this. Um, so, you know, I've just kind of really leaned in and um, with the Center for Change and the partner organizations that we've brought on board in hopes of, as one of the legislators said last week that I met with, you've brought this to the top of my pile now. So, you know, that's what I'm doing. So Eric, why why the lack of urgency? Why the lack of communication? If you had to speculate, why, why are we even in this situation when it's economically for many states, it's the biggest news story of in the last hundred years? Yeah, I I think I think jo I think Joanne's right in that there's a there there is an overwhelming feeling of of this funding that's coming not only from the Infrastructure Act, but also the state is still dealing with unappropriated federal funds. Um, from the American Rescue Plan that passed last year. And so I, I think there's this just overwhelming feeling of, of urgency on a number of different fronts, so nothing is urgent. Um, and when we, when we talk about you know, needing not only an appropriation of funds, that's one thing. There's plenty of federal funds in the Infrastructure Act as well as some of these other programs that can help fund the office. No, no state dollars need to go to fund the office. It's, it can all be done federally. But there's a philosophical... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say that. There's, there's a philosophical issue with expanding state government. And I think that's where there's some confusion in the legislature that, um, well, you know, why do you need more state 
state employees, can we just move state staff around to, to staff this office? And the truth is that there are no state employees that have you know, broadband as part of their full-time job. The state has the Connecting Mission Communities Grant Program, but there were no FTEs associated with the creation of that program. The, the management of that project was simply tacked on to the duties of existing employees. And when we're talking about $1.5 billion in funding, potentially, that just won't cut it from a compliance and reporting and, and effectiveness and, and, and transparent uh, application and administration of these funds. So I think there's that philosophical, philosophical difference of, you know, you know, not wanting to expand government, um, but it's not like the, they're not expanding government for the sake of expanding government. There's more funds coming and we don't wanna leave those federal funds on the table. And in order to not do that, we need the staff uh, to be able to administer those funds. Joanne, Frankly, that just dismays me to no end that that the that any state government, and I'm sure Michigan's not the only one, and you're probably hearing it too, Eric, that anyone would say, well, we need a whole new set of expertise that we've never had before. We need to step into the middle of the 21st century, but let's see if we can find an election clerk up up, you know, in the UP to, you know, to run this thing. Like, how can that even, how can that even happen? I don't know. Maybe that's a rhetorical question, <laughs> but, um, but, but we can, we can wrap up now. I just, I want to know um, how, uh, I want to, I want to just talk a little bit about what the prognosis is for these state brand broadband offices in general and, and for Michigan in particular. And Joanne, what are you doing now to help keep things moving forward in Michigan for your citizens, your residents? Yes, so the Center for Change Northern Michigan, because it's especially an important issue for Northern Michigan, as but as well for all across our state. Um, so we've had uh, a team of partners who has been making direct contact with legislators to uh, help them better understand the actual need. And then we also um, have been, been providing tools to people in our communities so that they can uh, more easily and more clearly contact their representatives, let them know what the need is as well. Okay, just to wrap up, Eric, what's what's the prognosis? How, are, do you, do, how do you feel about it? Do you think everybody's gonna get it together? Is there a deadline for putting these offices together that people are gonna run up against? Are they gonna lose anything if they move slow? What's happening? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest deadline that's coming for the Infrastructure Act funds is May 16th. That's when the federal government is supposed to publish the notice of funds available for these various programs. Um, and so that's that's one of the dates that's very, very key in, in starting all starting some of the big work to administer mm -hmm. these funds. But even between now and then, there's a lot of pieces and parts that need to be put in place. You know, we talked about the mapping project earlier. I mean, that's one key part. Another key part is planning stakeholder engagement for the creation of a five-year infrastructure plan that's required by the feds. And so, and, and of course, staffing up an office. And so we're running short on time and doing this pre-work before those notice of funds published. And and I think a lot of, I mean, Michigan is in a, in a pretty, you know, nah, I was going to use the word dire, uh, but it, it is a pretty you know tight situation um, in making sure that the state has the staff to be able to do this work. Um, but I think other states are similarly feeling that crunch. You know, states that may have had one or two staff in their broadband offices are looking, you know, probably to add you know another six to eight staff, um, and that's a challenge, especially like I said, in, with a, a very niche and, and niche skill set that they're looking for. Um, so I think every state's going to be feeling that crunch in Michigan more so because um, those bodies simply aren't even there yet. 
Okay, last question. Who's doing a great job? Who might other states look to as a model? Oh, that's a good question. So a lot of states that were able to move their American Rescue Plan dollars into broadband early last year, I think are going to be in a better position. States like Virginia, Tennessee, Georgia, and others that 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 really uh, increased the, the, the funding that they had through their state broadband programs brought along with it an increase in capacity. So I think those are the states that are going to be better off, you know, as we look to even more funding coming uh, through the Infrastructure Act. And so some of those states, we saw big announcements from some states of, you know, another $500 million in their state grant programs, $200 million and so on. So I think those states are the ones that are going to be in the best situation because they've already had to increase their capacity to address um, an influx of state funds for their grant programs. And they'll just be able to carry and roll that on um, into the Infrastructure Act programs. All right. Well, thank you guys all very much for joining us today. We'd like to once again thank our guests, Joanne Galloway from the Center for Change Northern Michigan and Eric Frederick from Connected Nation Michigan for being our guests on the Broadband Action Podcast episode after episode about what's going to happen to the supply chain when oh. all of this finally does get going. It's it's yeah. a mess. Yeah, I mean, I you, mean, can't, you can't dump all of this money into the country, right? And not have supply chain issues. I mean, talent and supply chain are going to be huge. Yep. Um, I've been having yeah. a lot of workforce discussions recently um, with like uh, Nate and Communications Workers of America and ISPs who are, I mean, finding the right people is going to be a challenge. Um, and Michigan's shorter construction season too doesn't help any. Right. Um, so right. it's that's going to be a challenge going forward. I think, I think more so supply chain, but talent is a, is a little bit of a longer play. Um, but oh, in the well, media, that was really good. Thank you for identifying that because it, it really is, it's, it's grossly misunderstood it's within states and state legislatures and offices like Leo, everybody's got a different name for theirs. Um, but it's, it's so critical to make, to help people understand that this is like a whole new world and they need to be yeah. recruiting from the tech sector and they need to be recruiting from engineering and they need to be recruiting from, you know, from, from, from those industries and not recruiting from their own employee, employee. I'm, I'm curious what work is being done to ramp up those training programs. And I'm thinking, you know, like for myself and my background being in the Eastern Upper Peninsula and thinking about the, the lack of digital literacy. Okay. No. And then, so even helping the, the community in general understand like what those jobs actually even are, like what right. you know, like videos that show a fiber tech and what they're actually yeah. doing and what that work is. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the work so far has been left to the, the various associations. So like Nate is the infrastructure contractors association, communications workers of America. So the unions, they're huge on, on the training programs, but it's always been, it's, it's very insular, right? That's not very public facing. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I know that they're working a lot with community colleges. Um, Nate has just turned up a training program in in Ohio. Um, and while we don't always want to look to Ohio as a model for Michigan, it might be there's probably some resources there that that could be brought to the state to help. Uh, but they they focus on community colleges a lot in in their ability to quickly you know transform themselves into into address new needs. One of the other things that happened that we we're still waiting on is that the state workforce development agency applied for an EDA good jobs challenge grant. And that was part of the, the ARPA funding from last year. 
And what it would do is provide uh, the state with resources to address the workforce needs of three separate industries. And one of them is the broadband industry specifically. Um, and so if that grant is, is awarded to the state, it'll be a five-year program to really organize the workforce around uh, the broadband industry and then have dollars for for training programs and credentialing and all the, the fun stuff that goes along. So I get it's exciting to talk about this longer term stuff, but like <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like oh well, wow, that'll be great someday. Right? Today's low unemployment rates, it's also a little bit scary. Yeah. 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 I think human capital is gonna be as big or a bigger challenge than than uh, physical capital and supply chain. Thank you for listening to the Broadband Action Podcast. We encourage you to like or subscribe for future content here on the podcast. Spread the word. And thanks for joining us.